0: Welcome to the Data Binge Podcast, a library of discussions with technologists and business leaders, focusing on the human relationship with technology. Three, two, one, deploy.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. As always, wishing you the very best of health and happiness in your journey today no matter when or where you are especially throughout this month of May as we celebrate mental health awareness month mental health month has been observed in the US since 1949 commemorated by the mental health america organization founded by the gentleman clifford whittingham beers beers was one of five children in his family who suffered from mental illness and psychological distress All of them spending time at some point in a mental institution where Beers discovered by experience the prevalence of malpractice, maltreatment, and, of course, bias towards this population. Beers went on to write bestseller A Mind That Found Itself and founded the National Committee for Mental Hygiene and focused much of his work on making sure that mental health patients received the right care and were not alone in their journey fighting mental illnesses. I think mental health is something many of us just take for granted in our everyday lives, whether we are focused on improving our mental health or whether we're completely oblivious of some needed changes that we need to make. When I think of mental health, I'm also thinking about emotional and psychological distress, fear, anxiety, depression, et cetera, things that just occur in my life and probably occur in in many of your lives as well. I find the more I concentrate on getting healthier mentally and emotionally, the more I realize I have a lot more work to do. One really great thing I've added to my morning routine over the course of the last handful of years is the Waking Up app by Sam Harris. The Waking Up app is an ongoing course and journey into the world of mindfulness. I've been doing 10 minutes each day when I can, of course, and Mr. Harris walks you through meditations and simply helps to guide our understanding of mindfulness i believe you can try the app out for 30 days which could be a really great experiment if you are looking for a good place to start in your own mental health journey or additionally another thing i've been doing is i try to close the day with an app called romwad or range of motion workout of the day i know these are two apps but they're just really great guidance tools which is, in Ramwad is a passive stretching routine that follows a more yoga-like easy flow with long two to four minute stretches around areas of the body that typically undergo a lot of stress, your lower back, the back of your legs, shoulders, etc. And especially if you are an athlete or tend to push yourself quite heavily in your own workouts or even in your daily work routines. I found that these two really simple reprieves from my daily life for about 30 minutes each day have really helped me show up as my best self. And I'm hoping that just sharing this with this audience, it could help you as well. The mental health journey is a long one. And we all owe it to ourselves to invest time and effort into putting our best selves forward into the world, if not for us individually, for those we love and care for. Finally, this month is our opportunity to do something nice for someone, to lean in a little bit more to their story or their emotional state, to pay a little more attention to their frustration, pain, or disappointment. We all deserve a little bit more empathy and understanding from each other from time to time, and you'll be surprised what a bit of proximity can do for others and for yourself. And now for today's discussion. Today's discussion is a recording of a session hosted by my friend and colleague, Andy Winskill, a senior digital advisor at Microsoft who leads a community of approximately 2,700 employees at Microsoft called the Virtual Work Learning Group. The mission of the Virtual Work Group is to empower everyone on the planet to create engaging, meaningful, and impactful virtual work experiences in an environment that enables us to do our best work. The community has featured talks from some amazing women and men around topics ranging from how to be a better storyteller all the way to how to fine-tune your remote presentation skills. This episode features a presentation that I led around social influence and virtual selling. I'm no longer in a sales organization, but I do believe that everything any of us do at any capacity in our work most likely demands for advocating our ideas and getting our perspective heard. This, I believe, will be a highly valuable skill as our ecosystems become more digital in our thoughts and perspectives as knowledge workers and executives become more valuable to the world. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. You can find links to the folks, apps, and items discussed in this intro, in the show notes of this episode. Thanks for listening.
2: It gives me a huge amount of pleasure to introduce Derek to the community today. Derek joined our team here in MSUS Digital Advisory Services towards the end of, actually it was was it 2020, end of 2020, or was it right. in the summer? Christmas. Yeah, yeah. before Christmas. In that kind of connection as we, you know, kind of get to know each other. You know, I was kind of talking to Derek about, you know, some of the things that Derek's done in the past. And I was kind of blown away that, of the impact that Derek had made, you know, through you know his social presence on, on the Internet, not just on LinkedIn, but across the board. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, we're always told in Microsoft is, you know, kind of go out onto LinkedIn and post things, you know, raise awareness of, of what Microsoft's doing. The difference that I saw with Derek is actually that awareness that it, it translated into you know, something that was concrete and tangible. And ultimately, and Derek hates me when I, when I say this, you know, Derek knows what's coming, but ultimately it ended up with Derek getting Platinum Club, which, you know, if you're in the field, you know, you kind of know that that's our ultimate prize for sales worldwide. So yeah, you know, with that, um yeah, um, it gives me great pleasure to hand the floor over to Derek. Derek, over to you.
1: Yeah, thanks for that context, can uh Andy. Thanks everyone for joining. This is gonna be a really fun discussion today. This is one of the things that I'm just most passionate about in the world. Can folks see my screen? Yes, yes. Okay, yes, we okay. Can. Okay, fantastic. It's not it's not doing the lovely AI video play though. That's the that's the only problem. Gotta fix that. So just a a quick introduction to myself for folks who don't know me. I've been with Microsoft for coming almost four years now. It's been pretty quick. I was recruited out of a a full-time MBA program at the University of Texas in Austin, formerly in the mock program, which is now the Aspire program. So I was new to Microsoft and struggled with a lot of different things coming into the organization, not having a technology background, having more of a business background. And of course, most of us know what the onboarding process is like here. It's very different. And at a time where we went through a big organizational change in the field at the time. So a lot of these things come together as we kind of talk through the criticality of social selling, the criticality of virtual branding, in a digital brand some of the things that represent who i am what i work on and what i'm passionate about are kind of on this slide of course you see my texas mba my alma mater for longhorns there uh, i was in the data and ai business for about three and a half years so everything that i was talking to and focused on was all ai and data driven i then started a co-started a, a live program called simply tech live where we host microsoft ecosystem based executives to join a linkedin life program and talk through everything from diversity and inclusion women in the workplace all the way to empowering the world with ai i've also started a podcast called the data binge podcast where i'm doing similar things there but it's more focused on my personal passion area around the human relationship with technology so you can start seeing some patterns here i'm a member of bam of course last year i was really lucky to be recognized as an outstanding achiever in the field. I had an amazing customer set and a fantastic leadership team that really supported me at a time that the world needed to see and hear thought leadership around things that really matter, not only to us here at work, but also across the personal landscape as well, being that we were under the presence of a a massive pandemic and some social unrest that was really, really powerfully impacting a lot of people so just a quick exercise and we're going to go through this presentation for about 25 minutes and i want to open it up for q a because the q a portion i think is the most valuable but let's do a quick exercise if everyone can open up the chat area of the team's client and please when i count to three if you can just put in the first feeling word whatever that comes to mind when i say social selling so Whatever comes to mind, when I count to three, just wait for your comment. Whatever comes to mind. I hate it. It's fantastic. It's corporate espionage. <laughs> whatever, whatever you think is relevant, it's dangerous. I'm afraid of it. I think it could change careers, it can change lives, whatever that is. So I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Isn't just networking tricky. It's open. It's forced. Scale. We need to have it. It's complex. Um, you think a LinkedIn frame put a dollar sign? Okay. So this is this is important information because we're gonna be talking through this and talking about some of the barriers, crazy chaos. Yeah. Like John, how are we navigating this thing? What is it? How do we get started? So we're gonna talk about all those things today. And I think at the end of this conversation, you're gonna feel empowered to really make a difference with whatever your brand needs to represent or you'd like it to represent. Competitive network. Awesome by Lisa. Okay, so let's get going. So let's start with a couple of mindsets that I have used to really help inspire me to continue to create content, to document great content, to network with others and to create a presence on LinkedIn. And we're gonna specifically focus on LinkedIn that allows my reputation to speak for itself and to present itself to customers and partners before they even know who I am. And that's kind of the ultimate goal. And the mindset that I think that has triggered me and some of the things I've learned from is one, you know, reading Hit Refresh just really hit me hard is Satya Nadella's idea about it's not what you can do for Microsoft, what can Microsoft do for you? You know, that mindset like what can this company do for all of us? How can it empower us? How can it drive the things that we care about? And how can those networks create these network effects? I could then build scale behind our personal mission, whether that be to make money in the field or to drive our mission or to be a better parent, whatever that looks like. Jen Shaysen, she was a a GM of Microsoft Enterprise Americas, fantastic woman, and she gave a a mock presentation. And at the crux of her presentation was being an energy multiplier. So you know, LinkedIn and social and the world that we live in today, especially since it's virtual, you have to show up as your best self. You have to be an energy multiplier. You have to come with presence. You know, you really have to put a lot of work into making sure your best self is going out into the world. And that's something that I keep in mind. Two of the interviews I had just recently on podcasts and on Simply Tech Live was with with Gina Lofton. She's the CTO of MSUS. And she talked about courage, like you have to have the courage to speak out when things aren't as they should be. And we'll talk more about what that is. And then Katie Brown, she's the RVP of the West Region, a sales organization, MSUS, talked about courage and vulnerability. And of course, we're going through the the Brene Brown trainings, Dare to Lead. She talks about letting go of control and how sometimes the things we put into the world, we can't control the reactions we're going to get. We just really have to be vulnerable. And in order to be courageous, those things come hand in hand to not only not only overcome adversity and adverse topics, but also become better leaders. Everyone understands that LinkedIn is the place for folks to talk about their professional goals and what's going on in the professional arena. And the data shows this. And the data, this data is a little bit old, a couple of years old, but the trends are the same. And for the most part, folks use linkedin to either reduce account contact research time make connections the first thing most of us probably do when we get on a new account or we meet someone new or we're trying to advocate an idea to someone we go to their linkedin we see their where they worked we research their company all those things live in linkedin so if we want to make professional impact the place to do that is certainly linkedin i am not a twitter fan I'm a shareholder at Microsoft, we own LinkedIn, and that's where my presence and engagement stays. There's business drivers for social selling. It's really hard. Some folks say, Derek, what have you achieved through social selling? And There's definitely achievements I can talk through, but it's almost like someone asking you, well, what has the gym done for your quota achievement? What has the gym done for your creativity? There's some things that you just need to do that are vitamins. That are going to help you do your job better and going to help you create a brand that's longer lasting some of the top line data from social selling the purchase process is changing you know like how long like i spend you know five to ten hours probably on amazon reading reviews multiple gear websites just whenever i buy something like a like a mic or whenever i imagine buying a car how long are you researching buying that car you're not going into the dealership anymore our customers are behaving the same way. They're doing their research. They're looking at our models. They're looking at our cloud security, their white papers. They're talking to others. So, in able to impact that research, we really have to make ourselves digital and make our IP digital. Gardner says by, I think it was this last year, 85% of the relationship between the enterprise and their consumer base is going to be automated. So with automation comes the opportunity to digitize some of our thought processes, some of our thought leadership, so that can then in turn be hit by all the different automation processes that are going on today. So putting our thoughts into the digital world has never been more important. There's more decision makers. There's not just someone in procurement we're being talked about going into the business decision maker realm. That's where the majority of my time stays. I typically don't talk to IT I talk to business decision makers the way that i reach them is through digital avenues like linkedin that's extremely important budgets are larger there's uh, data that says that quota attainment is increased when you use social selling so we have all this data that are telling us we should start using linkedin should start using social selling and as shareholders here and people that love working for microsoft we really have a big mission to start to tell the market why our business is important and why the things that we're doing for the world are important, whether it be DNI, sustainability, all the different things that we love to talk about amongst each other, the market is listening and the market is going to bet on the things that they hear. So these are things that we can tangibly impact, business impacts that we can make simply by having share a voice and getting our thoughts out into our networks so our customers and our partners can start making better decisions about brands that they align with. Now, when we're making any kind of, we're talking about branding, we're talking about creating something or putting yourself out there, having the courage, being vulnerable, talking to your networks, creating content. There's three things that we really have to consider. It's the number one is audience. Number two is audience. Number three is audience. We really have to discover and create something that is based upon the folks that are going to be listening to us. And there's three things that you need to do that will really speak to who that audience is and how you can deliver messaging that will resonate with them. Number one, it's choosing your avatar. Like, who are you? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be represented as? You know, we all have an avatar as parents or spouses or friends or sons or daughters, et cetera. Who is that avatar for us professionally in the LinkedIn world or the digital world? I had a discussion with Kate Johnson's head of comms a few years ago, and she mentioned that, you know, Kate's view on her brand is that she wants to be authentic and it's not real for her to be constantly on LinkedIn all the time. So she doesn't want to be viewed that way. She wants to be viewed authentically and how she works. And she's, to her point, not on LinkedIn all the time. There are some executives that are because they value that, they make time for it, and that's something that they prioritize. So being authentic is part of an avatar that could gravitate to you. Understanding who your audience is, customers, employees, communities, others. Like, who is that audience? Who are you trying to touch bases with? For me, it's not IT professionals. It's business decision makers because that's who I resonate with. For some of you who are highly technical, it could be CIOs. It could be data scientists, et cetera. So really understanding that audience and finally what kind of messaging will add value to that audience? The frequency, the platform. We're talking about LinkedIn today, but your audience could be younger. Your audience could be on TikTok if you're approaching uh, startups or, or Instagram. And how much time and effort do you want to put into this? Like, what is going to be your process or your strategy? Like, these are things that we have to think about because otherwise, like, going to the gym is already hard. You have to have, like, what is your plan? You know, your plan is to lose weight. Your plan is to build muscle. What, so you have to have a plan for you to be effective. The same thing works here when we're talking about building digital brands. And that's hopefully what you get away from the presentation. And there's a couple exercises at the end, some homework that you can follow, one to three-minute exercises that will help you craft up these different ideas. So when we get off the call, you can actually start creating content for yourself. You know, when you think about an avatar, I'm sure most of you folks can feel the pattern from me. And my avatar is constantly changing. Maybe six to 12 months ago, it was creativity. I love being creative. I love putting these kinds of slides on a PowerPoint and talking to folks like this on a call. I'm really, really empowered and passionate about diversity and inclusion, not only because I come from that population sub-segment, but because we're incentivized on it. The world needs it. There's data that shows that there's a competitive advantage behind it. So it's very near and dear to my avatar. For some of you, that might be different, and then tech intensity and business. Again, you know, talking about the HoloLens and how great time of flight technology is is not that doesn't get me out of bed. What gets me out of bed is how we're empowering women in the manufacturing shop floor at companies like Picar with HoloLens and guides to teach them how to build vehicles so that they can empower their families to be breadwinners in their family. Like those are the things that I'm really passionate about, but knowing those things and putting them down on paper is what helps me create content that speaks to it. And then finally, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm in the organization longer, I'm getting more passionate about people development and performance. So just understanding that that's out there and that's coming for me, helps me create a lot of this content. There's three things that are really important in content creation. You know, it has to be aligned to how you make money. I mean, it's fantastic if we want to talk about politics, we want to talk about what's going on in the world, why things are important. But if it doesn't align to what makes you money, it's not going to inspire you to keep going because those things have to align. And that comes into one of the reasons I was recognized for the Platinum Club Award. I was just doing things that I love to do that also aligned with the things I'm supposed to do for my job. So when those things align, that's when the magic happens creating things that the world needs like does does the world need this thing if you're talking about data center sustainability if you're talking about you know uh, stem education like the world needs that sometimes the world may not need the underwater basket weaving types of ideas so when you're creating professional content you really have to figure out like what do my customers need what my what's my audience what do they need And then are you energized around it? Can you create lots of things around it? Many of us probably want to start blogs and start creating content, but picking something where you can only figure out, okay, I can do two posts about this specific subsegment of topics. Like that's not enough. You have to be energized. You have to be able to be able to write 50 blogs, 100 blogs, like so many that you have so many ideas on this thing that you can't even execute on the ideas. That's how you know when it's the right thing. It's the right place, right content. And there's two ways to create content. It's documenting and it's creating. And I want to talk about both. So, creating content is hard. And folks always associate content with creation. And the the reality is, many of us don't have time or we haven't prioritized it or it's not something we're ready to take on. I understand that one of my sub segments of my avatar is creativity. So, I love to create. So, my hobby is to put together videos and interview people and do editing and you know connect dslrs and have mics and sound engineering all these things so it's easier for me to create a lot of us just aren't meant to do that and there's other ways to start putting together their thoughts and creating and putting content out in the world this is just another example of something we did with tracy galloway myself and my colleague ali Maziheri. he's the the mtc director of irvine and denver simply interviewing executives at microsoft and sharing what they had to say on specific topics that they're very enthused about. And then sharing those out and the impact that that creates is just incredible. Another example of creation I interviewed, and again, this this maps back to my avatar, The Last Mile, it's a nonprofit in, I think, in San Mateo, in the Bay Area, California. And they help justice-impacted, formerly incarcerated folks learn how to code so that when they leave prison, they're able to get jobs, the jobs that actually matters that, that they could pay taxes and change the realm of their families and really refactoring the world. So this was a way for me to create content that aligned with what I was doing at Microsoft, that also aligned with the things that I'm passionate about in my history and my personal life, things that are really, really matter to me. And this is kind of a way that you can create scale and get people excited. And now Microsoft is actually working with this organization to help them do some things with disabilities and and dyslexia and immersive reading. So these things can matter to your personal lives and your personal ambitions. The other way to create content, and this is the easiest way, and I would coach everyone on this call to do this, it's to document. It's simply to take, I mean, if you wanted to take a snip of this PowerPoint screen right now, take a snip of it. Put it on LinkedIn right now and talk about three things that you learned from this presentation. You just document it. And if you tagged me and you tagged some others, some customers, some folks that you think would find this valuable, that's your way of documenting. You're creating original IP, but you're doing it in a very quick snappy way where you're adding value to your audience by just summarizing what was said. And I do that all the time. And when I summarize and when I document, I actually get more pull-through and engagement than when I create things. So this is something that I think we should really focus on. This, for instance, I listened to Amy Hood's earnings call, literally in the gym, wrote down a bunch of things on my phone while I was listening, came back, found a CNBC article, snipped it. Put it in here put the link put the three things put some some emojis and i got you know at at the time that i snipped this 60 likes and five comments and folks were sharing it i I think i had like 15 reshares but all i did was document all i did was talk about something that someone else was talking about and just and summarize why it was important to me and people really love that and especially on this call there's some amazing brains and smees your input matters your summarization and, and paraphrasing really, really matters. Just another example of documenting. Saw a Databricks conversation when I was a data and AI representative for the, the manufacturing EOU. It was a really fantastic Databricks presentation to a customer. In real time, I took a snip of the modern data architecture. I learned something. I posted it on LinkedIn. This is what I learned. Moments later, we had an outreach by one of our customers, someone I knew. He was the COE lead of the data science business. I reached out, Derek, This present. Ha- where can I get this presentation? Like, where does this presentation live? I have to get it. This is going to be great for our team. That was days later. So by doing something quick and easy, you can actually make ripples, you can actually make impact. And of course, selling. You know if, and in my mind, we're all selling. If you are a knowledge worker and you are making decisions and you are advocating ideas, which means you could be PG, you could be Corp, you could be marketing, you could be sales, you could be an executive assistant. You in some way you are selling and I love using this platform for selling. Like if I have an idea that I want to advocate that idea, it's the best place. And on the foundation of you creating content that is relevant to your audience, this is the perfect combination to land and advocate ideas in a thoughtful way. This is just a quick example of a note I sent to a gentleman. He's the VP of digital at one of the biggest conglomerates in the world. We were working with our CIO on a couple things, sent him a note on LinkedIn, Sales Navigator. We're working with your CIO, would love to talk data strategy with you. I heard that you're talking, you're doing some cool projects. He got back to me in eight days, or, you know, the, yeah, eight days. Said, Derek, let's talk. Fast forward a year, we worked together on a project, on an AI driven project, where the project yielded 60K in Azure per month. And on the back of that project, we were able to present the team with a $30 million Azure monetary commitment deal just from this initial outreach a year and a half or so prior. But we were discussing a $30 million deal with the CIO and the executive team with the RVPs in the room. And it all started with this little rock thrown in this pond, just reaching out, you know, going to the gym, creating content, doing this routine, you know, being this thought leader, being recognized as this person. And of course, this builds confidence. You become a better executive, a better thought leader. You understand your craft more. You're reading, you're learning more. You learn more when you type things up and summarize. So you're able to bring up those ideas in real-time conversations. It's a, this huge digital feedback loop of information and knowledge. There's some more examples in here, but I know I want to open it up for Q&A because I know we have a lot of questions. When I was in the manufacturing region, We didn't have very many connections into some of the customers since it was a new vertical. So I simply went into the board, the executive board of all the different customers I had and sent a note via LinkedIn to the board members of these different companies. And it included maybe a a quick one-page PowerPoint on how we can partner. That PowerPoint may or may not have included our, our industry priority scenarios. This is where Microsoft is focusing on. Here's a new article about how we invested $5 billion in IoT. You know, and this particular outreach, I sent a couple notes, didn't get any return, but that's because, you know, these folks typically didn't have very many followers. They had maybe 200 or 500 followers or so, very high level board type of members. There's certain audiences that aren't gonna return your notes, but I was able to use the same note I sent to these folks, to the folks that I did know in the organization. So you can use the work that you send repeatedly for multiple customers you're not having to create things net new every single time but it's the routine it's the process of kind of using these tools that i think can create incredible impact and lastly you have to have fun like you gotta have fun brad smith's having fun judson's having fun kelly rogan's having fun kelly rogan when something is posted and someone has a comment even if the comment is off-putting kelly will respond to it so you're not only having people creating things at a high level. But when folks comment and like and engage you, it's our responsibility to create that community and respond back and to have a back and forth because that's how value is driven. And those are the things that we're trying to do amongst our personal communities. And finally, I'll end it with this. These are some other kind of mindset ideas that really get me going and help me creating content because it's hard. There's a lot going on with families. We have a workload. How do we find time for this? Gary Vaynerchuk, he's a, a thought leader I follow. I read a couple of his books that have really inspired me. I put the books in the resources section of this deck. But he talks about while everyone was hoping and dreaming, I was executing. Everyone on this call has a hope and a dream. You want to create something. You want to create a podcast, a blog, whatever. You want to start posting stuff. Like Executing is the first thing that we should start focusing on. If we don't execute, if we don't do it, It's never going to be done and we can't start learning. And then Mel Robbins, she's a news anchor, kind of an influencer. I heard a podcast that she was on where she talked about this distance between you and your future is action. It's taking action. So if folks can actually create something today on LinkedIn, see how that feels, kind of do some of the exercises around their avatar, content strategy, what they'd like to start posting about like that's the action, that's the execution that we need. So I'll end the presentation with that. Any
2: questions? Well, Derek, (laughs) you've given us, I was making notes in the chat just so that I can catch them later for the library, but there's so many nuggets in there. I've got a, a number of questions, but there's lots of applause and engagement going on with the reaction. So clearly it's resonated with a lot of people. So let's open the floor up and let's get the conversation going with Derek. Who wants to be first? If nobody wants to be first, I'll be first.
0: Hey, Derek, I had a quick question for you. So fantastic presentation, right? So I think you achieved something great. How much of this do you think is your personality helping you? You seem to come across as an extrovert. You like people. You like communicating. What if you're not that sort of personality? What if you're more introverted? Is it a bigger hill to climb or is it a dead end? You don't need to explore. What are your thoughts?
1: That's a really great, I love that question, Raj, because I I may seem like an extrovert, but I am an introvert to the max. I'm going to need a week to recover from this conversation. So you have to, and understanding, and when I first started creating content, Raj, it was because I had a deficit. I didn't understand technology. I didn't understand my job as a data and AI salesperson. And there was a lot of fear there. So I started interviewing folks that I knew, that I trusted, cloud solution architects, super technical folks that I worked with, and just asking them questions about, what is a database? What is SQL Server? How the hell do you license it? You know, what are we like, what is this stuff? How would I learn? And folks would get, in a time we weren't obviously in the pandemic, they'd go to the whiteboard and write down these ideas. And some of the folks said, look, you're asking really great questions, Derek. A lot of folks have these same questions, maybe... You should record this and share it with your peers. So that's how that started. And then I started doing live video because my biggest fear is presenting publicly and it's still my biggest fear today and I'm doing it now with you. So it was a way of overcoming my fear and providing something to others that I knew they needed. And then I was able Raj to kind of tune what was best for me. Like I don't write as much as I do live video because writing takes a lot of time. I'm pretty analytical, but not analytical to the point that it serves my being and my energy. So for you, maybe blogging is the best way to go. Maybe it's recording your voice. Maybe it's, it's uplifting others and going on online and providing facts and data, or, you know, you could put out a monthly newsletter where you're simply just cataloging the things that are interesting to you. And you'll find kind of your routine, you'll find your exercise that you enjoy that is most beneficial for your career and, and for what you're trying to do. Well, thank you so much. Great answer. No problem. Great question. For people getting started on this journey, how much time, say a week, do you think you should carve out to spend time on this? I think, I think it varies. When I first started, I only had one daughter. Now I have a daughter and a, and a son. So okay. I've had to scale back. I've had a scale back. And, uh, and I, and I want my, my marriage to last. So I <laughs> need to this to scale back, but it's really what's right for you. You know, what is right for you and something is right for all of us have different personalities, levels of effort. I think getting started is most important and you want to do it enough to where it's not like getting up in the early in the morning. I'm an early riser now. And if I did that once a week, that would be really tough. But I do it five times a week. That's easier than once. Seven times a week is way easier than five. I can't get to that point. But what works for me is four to five times a week. I'm an early riser. So I think in your posting strategy, and, and there's some documents at the end of the presentation that kind of walk you through, you know, who am I and what is going to work for me. If it's 30 minutes a week, I think that's great. Do it on a Friday after a couple cups of coffee. You're excited, your energy's up you're not gonna get the most engagement because folks aren't on on Fridays, but more so than not, executives are on on Fridays and weekends. So you're gonna get a different audience. There's a, a slide in the back of the deck that shows the best times to post on LinkedIn. So figure out what your time is and what you can spare and start there and then fine tune it to a place that's gonna be working for you.
0: Any more Another questions? question that yeah. I have. I was just typing and then I thought, okay, I'm gonna try to do it uh, out loud. <laughs> So because one of the things that I really like that you said is sharing something you've learned today, and I try to do that with my team, but I always find it very scary to do that via LinkedIn because if you share something and people tend to have an opinion about it, they will put it there, and it's not always, eh, of course, you like the Mm -hmm. positive ones, but if there's going to be a negative one, I'm hesitating about that one because I I tend to feel that very personal. So how do you handle that? Because that's obviously something that I think you handle as well or have to handle.
1: This is the really important part of the discussion that I feel very strongly about. Me and Andy talked about this at length. And, you know, being that we're taking this dare to lead training and you yes, you have to relinquish Control the outcomes that you're gonna have and how people are going to respond. And that's hard. I don't check my LinkedIn before I go to bed because I might see someone who could be a friend of mine who just has a completely different view on the world than I do, and he could say something in a public manner that could fire me up and now I'm losing a night of sleep. You know, so yeah. I totally understand. So there's things that you can do. There's barriers that you can set for yourself. I tend when I have an opinion, I tend to make it very apparent that it's my opinion. And I invite others to deliver their opinions because when you're inviting and you're understanding and you're vulnerable about kind of your ideas and your place, people see that and they respect it. It's not going to stop the trolls and folks that don't agree with you from going on LinkedIn and saying negative things, but it probably happens literally. I could do a hundred posts. And there might be only be one negative comment per those hundred posts. But I'm also not saying SQL Server is better than Oracle Autonomous Databases. Like, I'm not not saying anything that is against any organization or institution or person. I'm simply bringing ideas to the world. And I think if you can kind of focus on that, like that's really valuable, Ellen, and your voice. We need to hear your voice. We need to hear the voice of women more, especially in the world of technology. We need to hear the voice of the introverts that typically don't speak because those voices, when they're amplified, can create impact that can't be captured in an earnings call. And that's kind of what we're trying to do together on this call. So you can do it. Start kind of reaching out and creating content and you will see that it will it will favor the work that you're putting into it.
0: Thanks. Hi, Derek. How are you? Hey, Chris. Welcome to the Hi. call. Thanks. I really enjoyed I wrote lots of notes. Just part of what I heard you say is we need to be thought leaders, right? And figure out who we are, like what matters to us and what resonates with us so we can do it well, right? That if you can't get lost in all of your ideas, then maybe you're not passionate enough about it. Maybe that's not who you are and finding maybe how God created you, whatever it is that you uh, refer to it as. But Mm -hmm. one of the things that you said was that you made an investment. You look at this as almost investing in your own career, your own future, because it forced you to become the expert. I just out of curiosity, how long did it take you to go from, I don't really know that answer to feeling like you now became that thought leader? What's that journey for somebody who says, hey, I want to become that thought leader?
1: Is it specific to like business, like a business segment or like a technology yeah, yeah.
0: Well, how so long did it take for you? You know, probably that's the fairest question for you.
1: This is where I think it's important because it was taking forever. It was taking, I just didn't feel like I could orient. I didn't know what to read. I didn't know what to specialize in. It was all over the place. I was insecure. I just didn't feel like I was right at Microsoft until I started thinking through, okay, what is my job? My job is to be a data and AI sales representative. And maybe I'm sales is not the most, I'm not empowered and and impassioned by sales. Maybe I want to be a SME. Maybe I want to be a data and AI advisor. So I really started thinking when it goes back to that avatar, like who am I? I want to be an advisor across the data and AI business at Microsoft for business decision makers at Microsoft. And in order to do that, here's the things that I have to read here's the things that I have to know, here's the things I have to do. And I was really looking inside myself, like, I can't talk about technology, but I can read a 10K. I can't talk about technology, mm-hmm. but I can listen to a Freakonomics episode, you know, interviewing the, the CEO of Slack to see what productivity should look like in the future. So those are some things that helped me orient, not only around my job and how to become a thought leader, specific to the job, but also how to start what content to create. So I have a, an economist. I got a subscription to the economist. And mm-hmm. I mean, you see some of the things that come out of the economist, you know, riding high special report on the future of work. Like that's important. So like finding those different resources, and then I'll go, Chris, and I'll read this report. I mean, this is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to read only this article because I don't have time to read the entire magazine. Mm-hmm. And I'll kind of notate the things that are important and I'll create a LinkedIn post just on the top four things that came out of the document. I'll quote different folks that they interview and I'll tag The Economist, I'll tag folks I think will be, find it relevant. And not only did I create something, but now that the article is embedded in my brain because I just, I read it, I learned it, I shared my learnings. And that's kind of the process I followed. And when I started doing that, I mean, two months, Month and a half, three months. At three months, I felt like I was a different person. Mm. So the content creating really helps you learn. I think that's really critical. Yeah, that's
0: synonymous with the idea that to become a master of something, you got to learn to be able to teach it. If you can teach it, right, it it almost helps you make sure that you fully understand it and own it yourself. So that's
1: great. You're so right. Thanks again. Yeah, approach it. Approach it as a student. Approach everything as a
2: student. You can't screw up. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. No problem. So, Derek. I wanted to ask you the question which we talked about before. So so Derek kind of alluded to the conversation that he and I had had back at the start of this year, which was really about fear. One of the things that I I was really fearful of in using LinkedIn or posting anything on LinkedIn is if I say something, am I going to get fired? So Derek, kind of given the premise that if I was feeling that fear, there's probably people on this call that are also feeling that fear. What advice and guidance would you give us to overcome that fear?
1: Yeah, and I've been thinking a lot about that. And I think we're all different, right? We're all different ages. We're born in different places. We have different skill sets. We're all going to feel fear differently. And I don't think there's a best practice to go about this. But in my mind, you know, going back to that Satya Nadella kind of statement he made in Hit Refresh, it's, you know, what can Microsoft do for us? and in that mindset it has empowered me to say okay i'm hired my job is to deliver you know business strategy or change management strategy or innovation strategy to customers i am the best prepared person the best tooled person in the microsoft organization of course Mm -hmm. i have peers but let's just talk holistically i'm the best person to deliver provocative ideas and thought leadership to the world representing Microsoft. And that's a different stance than, oh my gosh, if I post this about our new HoloLens release or whatever, and I'm wrong, someone's going to know and someone's going to... So our culture is very inclusive of thought leadership. We don't have a very good story. We don't tell our story very well. And I think The organization and speaking from what I know, from what executives have shared with me. So I've interviewed lots of executives at Microsoft and they're in our same shoes. They don't know, you know, they're fearful about what to put out there because their bosses, you know, could see these things. And I think what they've done is they've just started small, you know, start talking about what's going on in the economy. Start talking about, you know, I, I posted a video that Ray Dalio put out about how the economic cycle works. I put that out. It's safe. You know, I didn't create the content. It's a YouTube link. Put that out there. And I made, I put a blurb about these are some of the things I think our customers should think about. So putting those things out into the world, start safe. Andy, you know, start, start thinking about things, start putting things out into the world that are safe. They're small, that are easy. Like, I'm not going to go and start talking about social unrest on LinkedIn. That's not, A, I don't have enough courage for that. B, it's not going to help myself. It could help others, but I'm fearful of the repercussions and I'm not sure how I can handle that. So I'm not going to talk about that on LinkedIn. And I, I personally don't think for that's a good place for me to move and be valuable. I can talk about modern data architectures. I can talk about innovation. I can talk about why China is socially more creative on the technology side in retail. I'm okay with that. And guess, and I have data to back it up. So I think putting out opinions into the world can get you in trouble if you're fearful. But taking a document that, like The Economist, and summarizing it and paraphrasing it is the safest way to go. And that's why I think documenting, document our earnings calls. Document IBM's earnings call, Slack's earnings, our competitors' earnings calls. And just, this is interesting. AWS just posted their earnings. Andy Jassy is being, you know, is going to be the next CEO. Why I think this is interesting and what the article, what I've taken out, the, out of the article. That's very provocative. Your customers are going to enjoy that. You're not going to get in trouble for that type of thing. And once you start creating things, you're going to start understanding your ability to overcome fear. I think that's my best advice.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Derek. I think somebody's got the hand raised. Hey, Hey, Derek. Yeah, thanks so much.
0: Great, great presentation and uh, I love your insights. I want to know when you think about Derek Russell, you know, speaking in social media versus Derek Russell, Microsoft employee, Mm
1: -hmm. there
0: seems to be, you know, I think a delicate balance when you are going to speak just because it's, you know, your brand but you also have the responsibility as a shareholder of Microsoft, as an employee of Microsoft. So how do you find that balance, you know, where you, you know, you want to pivot, I think a message, but sometimes, you know, with Microsoft, we are privy to a lot of, you know, information that sometimes it's, it's only for internal, but it can help argument, you know, maybe as a data point. So how do you balance, you know, between Derek, you know, the social media guru and Derek, the Microsoft employee?
1: Yeah. You know, I align the things and this goes back to that slide I shared. It was like align your content with what makes you money. So I try, like, I would love to write a review on, you know, some new toys that I bought my kids. Like I would love to write about that review in it, but that's not what I spend 40 to 50 hours of my week doing. It's not going to honor and be good or accelerate my values as they relate to my family and our goals. It's not going to make me money. It's not going to help me achieve more for my customers and partners. So at the end of the day, I always bring it back to, is this aligned to who I am at Microsoft? And if it's not... There are plenty of things that are, especially at our company, you know, with the stuff that's going on with sustainability and net zero by 2050, net negative, the things that we're doing for the community, like there's so many things to align on. You know, just yesterday I was doing some volunteer work for the Big Brothers, Big Sisters. We're doing some three horizon work for them. And they were talking through community and how to build community. And I talked about Xbox. Morgan Stanley has just released this paper saying that Microsoft is going to be the Xbox is going the Netflix of gaming, and why that's important, and the three c's of the of the Xbox strategy, it's like community content and something else. So I can talk about that forever and why community is good for you know our our organization and for the world. So if you align and you kind of think through, okay, where are my social media branding kind of principles, values? How do those align to Microsoft values and really zoom in on that alignment? Because there's so much there. We work for such an amazing business. You may not be able to do this at GE. You may not be able to do this at some of our customers, but you can do it here. We just have to put a little effort into understanding where that aligns and how we can speak to it. But AI for good, I could talk about AI for good for hours and hours and hours. That's something that we invest money and time in it also aligns to what we're doing, you know, in our day-to-day. So I think just being careful, not careful, but just being specific about that alignment is going to be really helpful, John. It was for me.
2: Thanks so much, Sarah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a, another question. And it gets kind of tactical. So following our kind of mentoring session where you kind of mentored me around, you know, social media, which was kind of the precursor to to this event. Yeah, you, know, you, you kind of got me inspired to go and you know try posting a couple of things on LinkedIn. Um, I've been really surprised at the difference in terms of how much you know some content gets viewed over other content. Have you got any guidance for the you know for the people on the call around you know what's the LinkedIn algorithm? What's it doing to you know to get some content, you know, thousands of views? You know, another content only getting viewed 20 or 30 times. What can you coach us around that?
1: Yeah, that's really hard. <laughs> like, you know, the, the LinkedIn algorithm, it's like cracking the code. It's like one of the things that there's businesses form just on understanding and getting folks to learn the algorithm. And some of the posts I make don't get many views at all. They don't get any likes or any engagement and i'm okay with in the in the beginning you know you're kind of self reflective and your self esteem is hinged on how many folks are going to like your i mean that's what it's designed to do it's this whole social dilemma it's just designed to make you feel or supercharge you in a certain emotional way so that you continue to create things and engage i think starting with you know like that audience your message your avatar who you are and using it as that your as your basis to create content and putting it out there and looking at it over an aggregate, not that posted this well last week, because if, if you're concentrated on that one post, I guarantee the post you put out next week is not going to do as well, or th- there could be some fluctuation, but looking at the aggregate of what it has yielded for you. And for me, you know, I'll tag executives or I'll tag folks that I know. I'll tag customers, partners, etc. There was a, a part in this book I read on social influence, and it and it talked about a podcast that has five hundred to five hundred thousand listeners isn't as impactful as a podcast that has one listener. What if that one listener was Oprah Winfrey or Bill Gates? So I would concentrate on your audience, like, who do you want to see this? And typically, when I post stuff, I have folks from the West region, I have GMs and folks that have, are used to seeing my stuff and they're shareholders of Microsoft and they like my content. And if none of my customers or partners or network are liking my content or seeing my content, if one of my leaders did, well, now we're into a really, really special conversation where when it comes up for time of promotion or visibility, we don't see each other in an office. you know. But my GM and my skip manager and the CTO of our organization, if they see that I'm on LinkedIn and I'm creating things that are good for the world and relevant to our business, they may not engage or like, but they see I'm visible now. So there's this element of kind of likes, engagement, reshares, and there's this other element that I concentrate more on is visibility. Like who is, like people are seeing our stuff even though not they're not engaging with it. So how do you get that visibility in a world where we can't run into each other in the office. And when it comes time to figure out the value that you put out into the world at Microsoft via your job, we need to be more visible, you know, just for our own sake and for our customers and our partners' sake. So I think creating things from Monday through Thursday, best time to create. There's different audiences, your different networks. Folks may be on on weekends. A lot of executives, again, are on on weekends. I tend to create posts between 10 and 3 p.m. on a daily basis. I put a slide here that shows the best time to create and put out content. You never want to put more than three hashtags. So there's some blocking and tackling. No more than three hashtags. More than that, the the algorithm starts to get tripped up. And I'll send everyone an algorithm report that they can read that's pretty thorough that covers all this. You know, tagging people, tagging organizations. You always want to tag folks that are going to uplift your post. So Andy tagged me the other day. I see it, You know, I have 4,000 or whatever followers, so I'm gonna you know, reply to Andy and now folks from my network can see his post. So I think the blocking and tackling is there and there's data that shows, but we really wanna think about in aggregate, what is your mission and how did you impact the organization and our
2: customers, partners, et cetera. Awesome, thank you for that insight Derek. Okay, so we're rapidly approaching the top of the hour. Folks, if you've got any more questions, please post them in the chat, and we'll kind of get to them offline. But Derek, thank you once again. Awesome, 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 awesome. Very inspirational, and yeah, you know, I'm kind of in awe of what you've achieved with uh, your social presence. So, thank you for coming to the to the community and, and sharing your learning. So, with that, uh, we'll wrap, and we'll get to our uh, nine o'clock calls. All right, take care. Thanks, everyone.
0: Thanks a
1: lot, Derek. Bye bye. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us in the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at DRUSS Network, D-R-U-S-S Network on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also reach out to me anytime via email at derek at The Data Binge podcast is a personal thought forum where we share knowledge and ideas, views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of my employer Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thanks a lot.